Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to Cherry Beckert's latest technology podcast. My name is Jim Holman, and I'm joined by my colleague, Steve Holliday. We're directors in Cherry Beckert's digital advisory practice, specifically focused on digital transformation. And we're pleased to round out this series talking about the year of efficiency. Yeah, this is essentially what we focus on day in and day out, which is to help organizations transform their businesses and services, ultimately creating efficiencies among people, process, technology, and culture. Right. So you may have heard it. It's the year of efficiency. As technology companies seek solutions that save on costs, drive faster innovation, and better manage processes. So Mark Zuckerberg, CEO of Facebook Meta, declared that 2023, the year of efficiency. The goal is going to be to cut costs, shake up company culture, and narrow focus in response to slower growth in the tech industry. So Zuckerberg said the year of efficiency is about two goals, becoming a stronger technology company and improving financial results so that they can invest in the long-term roadmap. So subsequent to this, Meta said its revenue rose 11% to $32 billion in its second quarter compared to the same period last year. So Steve, what's the relationship between cost-saving measures and innovation? Well, I mean, if you look at uh, Meta here, I mean, cost-saving measures can fuel innovation. They free up financial resources to be used for research and development and allow for more experimentation. They enable investment in key areas of innovation and they encourage lean thinking, which focuses on value creation and waste elimination. Hmm. So how can operational teams contribute to innovation through cost savings? It seems like uh, chasing pennies. Well, operational teams, they'll rally around the cost savings especially when those savings are funding the future of the business. By cutting unnecessary expenses, the business is able to redirect those resources towards innovation, which fosters a culture of creativity and growth. And we'll catch up on uh, the culture of creativity in just a moment. That's very interesting. So, Steve, how do streamlining processes enhance collaboration and innovation? When you streamline processes, you're Reducing bureaucracy, which enables quicker decision making, that in turn allows for a more rapid development of innovative ideas. Uh, simplifying workflows fosters uh, more collaboration uh, between teams and, and leading to a more cohesive and innovative approach to problem solving. Okay, well, then what's the role of lean development process innovation? I know that you're uh, within Cherry Becker, one of our subject matter experts, continuous improvement, lean six sigma. So what are your thoughts on um, the role of lean development within innovation? Sure. Well, lean development processes focus on, on customer value or value creation. Um, and that's done a lot of times through this concept of a minimum viable product. They're they're really trying to understand how do we get to uh, this product level that, that is um, minimally acceptable in the, in the marketplace. Uh, so it's usually a, a quick time to, to value. Um, and then there's innovation on top of that that uh, is responsive to um, user stories uh, and, and changing uh, uh, business conditions uh, so that you know, what's gone today uh, or, or Many technology companies are are using agile approaches to development, not the waterfall development that we saw where projects can take uh, a ton of time, needs in the marketplace shift, and by the time the projects are done, maybe they're off the mark. 
Um, so these lean approaches to uh, product development are um, more responsive to changes in the marketplace as well as getting products out and, and getting cash recognized faster. Yeah, that's that's really interesting because the rest of the business world really picked up agile, although lean has been involved in has been an industrial forever. But the whole agile versus waterfall, it's interesting because that came from technology. That was a software development concept of how do we get the concept of minimum viable product, which is just good enough, which seems really contrary. But I appreciate what you're saying, because by going with a minimum viable product, a smaller approach, you have more elbow room, uh, more time, more freedom to innovate and be creative. That's a very interesting approach. Um, how would you say, Steve, that efficient resource allocation can lead to focused innovation? Well, um, efficient resource allocation really ensures that resources are directed towards the most promising areas of innovation. Uh, this allows for more focused and impactful creativity. Um, it also enables more calculated risks in experimentation uh, without jeopardizing overall stability. Okay, well, we always want real world examples. Can you provide an example of a company that leverages this efficient resource allocation for, for creativity? Sure. Uh, yeah. Google is a, is a great example. Um, they allow developers 20% of their time for creative thinking and experimentation. From, those, from that 20%, they use those uh, ideas, those concepts, they incubate them for more formalized development. Uh, the right mindset, culture, and tools can help teams, especially distributed teams, uh, to reliably produce a breakthrough that advances the business. You know, it'll be interesting to see because uh, being able to innovate and create from a technology company has a much lower cost uh, than it is to say someone who is in uh, research and development in the automotive field uh, to go innovate uh, in the factory somewhere. Uh, this wouldn't be the first time that technology, which is what we're talking about today, can potentially be a lead for industry as well. So, when we're looking at uh, examples, real-world examples of technology companies, um, how has Amazon leveraged efficiency for innovation? Yeah, um, well, so when we think about Amazon, we think about super efficient logistics and uh, inventory management. But when you think about um, you know, how they've grown through leveraging that core competency, uh, it's really allowed them to invest in other areas for innovation, like you know, you 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 heard about drone delivery and AI-driven customer service, for example. Right. So earlier we talked about value creation and how that's so essential with within lean principles. Um, how does focusing on value creation contribute to innovation? Well, focusing on value creation encourages the lean approach. Uh, you're eliminating waste and, and you're leading to more innovative solutions, such as simple and low-cost solutions that are transferable globally. I, I think um, one of the, the, the places where U.S. industry learned, and I'm, I'm looking back, you know, 10, 15 years in, in, my, in my archives here, but um, working for large multinational companies with complex engineered products, for example, trying to sell U.S. designs um, globally wasn't always the best fit. Um, and what we found in, in some markets was a, a simpler way of doing things, um, maybe not as much built-in 
uh, complexity and waste that uh, some of our our products and I'm thinking um, in 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 the power transmission world, I'm thinking cars, I'm thinking medical devices, uh, where really getting ideas um, from across the globe um, taught us, I, I think, a, a more lean approach to product development um, and things that were essential to be able to, to meet customer needs. Well, uh, we've heard the uh, the concept of uh, as, that you've introduced, which is about being able to dedicate time to innovation that really you can only do that by getting the elbow room that say lean principles uh, or skinny down processes that can enable you to innovate. Can you talk about uh, how can a streamlined process help in what they'll call failing fast? And maybe you can define what failing fast is. Sure, you hear um, failing fast is, is talked about a bit um, and, and specifically uh, in the product development world, if you don't have good control in your in your development processes, you uh, spend money developing ideas that uh, maybe should have been killed a long time ago because they didn't meet certain hurdles or or they didn't have uh, the same promise that um, other ideas might have. So by failing fast, you're actually um, you're better off because you're you're allowing your resources to focus on those ideas that have the higher probability of success. And, and so in, in that case, um, you know, when we think about lean and waste elimination, those ideas that are unpromising, you know, if you continue to invest in them, you know, that that ends up as, as, as waste. And so by driving uh, some degree of structure into your development processes where, where you have that discipline, uh, I think that's the important part. It's really having the discipline to to kill um, bad ideas. Yeah, it's uh, it's not intuitive when, you know, the traditional mindset would be, well, don't fail. What are you talking about failing fast? In reality, it's being how do you pressure test those ideas? How do you how do you simulate something in a lab environment so that you know whether something's going to work or not? And a really a, a process and a data driven culture that technology companies are really bringing to the forefront allows very rapid idea testing and innovation. Uh, and something that we hadn't really seen before is really different areas within an organization uh, cooperating and collaborating together. Can, can you talk a little about how cross-functional collaboration might contribute to innovation? Absolutely. I mean, cross-functional cl collaboration really you know, breaks down silos and encourages diverse thinking, which in turn leads to more creative solutions. Um, and I think about uh, those parts of the business and what they see from the customer interaction and, and the knowledge they gain. They may have certain feedback coming from the customer or they may see certain uh, complaints or returns um, that, that get analyzed so they have inputs that are valuable too. Um, you may, in the manufacturing world, you may have um, uh, design for manufacturability, you know, where, where design engineers are, are are creating something that is very difficult to manufacture. And by getting all of these groups collaborating, uh, which a lean and efficient process does, then you know, you're really um, more efficient, uh, you're driving you know, better results, and um, you're, you're, you're getting um, a, a stronger innovation process. So some of the examples within the tech space that you've talked about, you know, like we've talked a little bit about uh, Google mentioned briefly, but really it was about the meta kickoff. So those are more, we'll say, are the newer tech companies, but we don't want to lose focus on 
one of the classics, big iron, big blue uh, IBM, right? That also a lot of the classic technology companies have had to reinvent themselves and to look at different things, uh, uh, to look at things in a little more of a modern approach. Can you talk about how IBM has focused perhaps on process efficiency and how has that led to innovation for them? Absolutely. Innovate or die, really. I mean, I think about IBM's business model. Um, and so in terms of uh, their work to, uh, to to reposition themselves and, and uh, um, introduce new technologies, uh, really, um, is the innovations in cloud computing and quantum computing. We, have, we don't know a lot about that today, but uh, quantum computing is is on the horizon and, and uh, will definitely tr- uh, transform uh, our computing world. Uh, but it's positioned the company as a leader in these emerging technology fields. Right. So when you're talking about emerging technology, we talked earlier about process improvement, freeing up resources and changing cultures to allow innovation. Essentially, when you innovate and you potentially are going to fail fast, uh, the alternative is failing slowly, uh, which, of course, is going to raise the shackles of anybody that's risk focused. So what's the role of risk management in fostering creativity and experimentation, knowing that there may be a counterbalance that's traditionally expected from a risk approach? Absolutely. And, and um, I think of risk management, the role of risk management in an organization, they're, they're, they're the bumper guards. Uh, they help keep um, uh, things uh, moving in a direction that uh, is valuable to the business. And so risk management through process for innovation and checkpoints uh, are really important uh, to, to be sure that those guardrails are in place where the company is taking calculated risks um, in uh, creativity without jeopardizing stability. Okay, that makes sense. And as we're looking at things like cost savings, risk management, um, there's the process of efficiency for the pure sake of cost control. So you can be efficient and not be interested in innovation. You could drive every bit of waste and cost out of uh, out of your supply chain, out of your business, out of your technology R&D development uh, process. But can you tell us about how efficiency can act as a catalyst for innovation? Well, I mean, there's no question efficiency and cost saving process streamlining um, and resource act allocation does act as, as a catalyst uh, for innovation. Um, you know, I think about uh, the the habits, really, you know, when when you're faced with a, a challenge of uh, improvement, um, you, know, you really at some point you're going to hit a wall in the things that you know, um, and you really need to be more innovative in order to break through that wall. Um, and so uh, whether it's by um, uh, collaboration, um, you know, and, uh, you know, eliminating waste in, in other places and, and uh, but also building then uh, this this continued improvement focus and allowing for the calculated risks that uh, that are needed in creativity and experimentation. Well, when to talk about crashing through the wall. Um, Meta certainly didn't restructure uh, because they were too successful. So obviously had a uh, a bit of a, uh, a reinvent moment. Can you talk about how Meta's restructuring impacted their financial results? Well, um, so 
it did have an impact. Uh, they, they laid off 21,000 employees and, and incurred costs of between three to five billion dollars, you know, aimed at cutting expenses. So that restructuring came with a cost. But, uh, you know, kind of fast forward a little bit further and, you know, the company reported an 11 percent rise in revenue and 32 billion uh, to, to a total of 32 billion in its second quarter compared to the previous year. So, uh, and those costs are uh, uh, they're they're below below the line, I think, Jim. <laughs> but um, either either way, um, you know, they they definitely have shaken things up. Wow. Well, it's interesting to look at, say, with Meta, how laying off twenty one thousand employees, incurring a massive amount of cost for the uh, for the redundancies then saw an increase in revenue, which you think is counter. So it would be an interesting study with Meta to see which of their structuring and of which of the of the increase in revenue could be at- attributed to innovation. That would be an interesting follow-up. Well, for sure. And, and, and uh, when you think about a restructuring activity like this, you don't know, you know the products that were in the, in the pipeline, so to speak, that may have given rise to this revenue you know the the true test is over time, and you know the impact of of the um, the reduction of of, of that of that work. Um, the important thing is, what did they uh, do with that savings? How are they investing it? And how are they focusing the development? And if they're doing those things, you'll you'll continue to see a rise in revenue. Right. So as you've got, say, uh, Meta, I'm sure. They couldn't just lay off 21,000 employees without looking at what those individuals were doing, what processes were they involved in. Um, as other organizations that don't have the deep cash pockets that Meta does, uh, they might be listening to this, understanding like, well, how that's great, uh, but I don't have 210 employees, let alone 21,000 to let go. How can companies avoid spreading resources too thin in innovation? Well, we've we've touched on it in in, in some of the other uh, questions, and, and really, it's by really focusing on those best opportunities and having the the discipline to kill or to push out uh, away any uh, effort on on ideas that uh, are not prioritized. And I've seen this in in organizations where they have a hard time saying no. The development resource gets stretched too thin. They're working on too many projects, and and things kind of slow in the development process. And and really focusing on the best ideas, keeping resources focused on those ideas, helps speed the process and um, maximizes the impact of of your of your investment. And so we've heard some things like focus, concentration, that. Spreading too thin essentially is the opposite of that, very obtuse, which is low focus dilution. So what you're saying is the other way around is make sure to listen, you know, have people give them a chance to specialize into focus and become perhaps subject matter experts in an area of innovation where they want to experiment. Certainly, I think we would all say spending eight hours focused on an innovation opportunity is going to allow more focus, more concentration than eight one hour separate creative projects. And I think that that's something that 
I think everybody can learn from being able to focus and concentrate on stuff like that. In our multitasking world, I know uh, I've got three screens and a tablet and a phone up pretty much all the time. Um, and that certainly, as I'm now thinking about it, does not make me very innovative. Uh, can you talk about, because you'd also mentioned viable products. We've talked about MVP, minimum viable product. Can you talk about the importance of a minimum viable product and in innovation? Well, and um, we we did talk about minimum viable product a little bit earlier, but um, just to emphasize the point that um, you know, it's it's really about uh, time to value and getting products into the market fast. And along with minimum viable product comes fail fast, which we talked about as well. But these are our important ideas, and they're they're worth emphasizing that um, with the minimum viable product, uh, then you're also more nimble, right? Where you're uh, taking in the next set of ideas that you're going to deploy to to your minimum viable product, so you're enhancing it, um, and you're able to respond faster in 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 the case of marketplace changes. So they're very good practices in terms of making sure you're you're getting the best impact from your 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 development innovation investment. Yeah. So so Steve. Uh... Earlier, we were talking about cross-functional collaboration and, you know, how can we drive innovation? How can efficiencies help uh, different groups within an organization, especially technology companies, work together? Uh, there's so much competition, even within an organization. A lot of these technology companies that we'll work with are on a high growth trajectory. So it's extremely, it's cash, uh, cash scarce, uh, but it's also internally competitive. Can, can you talk about how perhaps efficiency in resource allocation can encourage cross-functional collaboration rather than perhaps hinder it, which would be the uh, the common thought. Well, in, in my experience, uh, and I, I used this example a little bit earlier, but in my experience that um, the, the when you're challenged with how do I get things done, um, mm -hmm. you know, you, you don't know how you're going to make that improvement, then um, you're more open to collaborating and getting ideas from anywhere. Um, and so really then, uh, in my past, I've worked at companies, they call them stretch goals, for example. And, and stretch goals were intended to be just a bit more challenging than the things you knew you could do. They required you to think outside the box and, and they required a different way of, of approaching the, the problem. And then as I think about uh, you know, from an efficiency and resource allocation, um, you know, again, keeping a focus on the most critical priorities, um, giving uh, goals or stretch targets where, uh, you know, that it, it encourages that um, looking out from anywhere, not invented here, you hear about sometimes, but um, yeah. those are those are things that uh, ways to improve uh you know the, the collaboration and, and uh, uh the, the seek the people continuing to to learn and, and and seek out new information all right well so steve one final question uh, we've talked about a lot of the giants the titans within the technology space and uh you know we've also talked about a lot of uh, our clients are really in the mid-market so it's hard sometimes for a mid-market organization, even when rapidly growing, listen to the likes of uh, what IBM or Amazon or Google might be doing. 
and saying, this doesn't apply to me. Um, how do real world examples from these tech leaders illustrate principles of efficiency driven innovation and maybe talk about how does this apply to say a smaller organization? Well, I mean, we've seen companies like Amazon, Toyota, Google, IBM, they've all successfully applied you know, efficiency and cost saving and, and process streamlining and making sure resource allocation is focused to drive innovation and growth. Uh, their practices demonstrate how efficiency acts as a catalyst for creativity and experimentation. As we look broadly across um, you know, our customers and the marketplace, um, we've talked an awful lot about uh, waste elimination and focusing on customer value, really, you know, because these behaviors really can help drive better results from innovation. Uh, and, and I would say, Jim, if, if any of our listeners are interested in improving their ability to identify and eliminate waste or help optimize processes, you know, reach out. Uh, we're, we're here to help. We love what we do. So thank you all for joining and tuning in to this podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this series on the year of efficiency and that you're inspired to implement some of these strategies within your own organization to create greater efficiency. As always, you can visit cbh.com technology for any of the information we've mentioned today or on previous podcasts. And you can find our contact information in the show notes of wherever you're listening. Thanks again.